welcome to season two of Pasco Podcast, a series where we discuss leadership and public service. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the 550,000 plus residents of Pasco County, as represented by the Board of County Commissioners. It's through their trust and empowerment of our workforce and leadership team that we're able to bring you this podcast. We created this podcast to help public servants build leadership skills and leverage them for success by sharing the experiences of our peers. Hi, I'm Dan Biles, and welcome to our 10th episode of Pasco Podcast. Join us today is Engineering Services Director Margaret Smith and County Surveyor Alex Parnes. Good afternoon. So welcome to the show. Um, glad to have you here. I'm kind of interested to talk about, you know, we got engineer, engineer, surveyor. We can geek out a little bit um, on that. But really I want to talk about more about leadership, leadership philosophy, which kind of grows across uh, professions, if you will. Um, but first, can you... Can you give a brief, you know, um, history, where you come from, your experience, and just kind of how you ended up here uh, and how long you've been with PASCO? Oh, well, I uh, graduated from USF quite a few years ago and uh, went private consulting for a while and then ended up working for uh, the Florida Department of Transportation. And truthfully, the reason I got into uh, road design is because when I was at USF, I um, became intern at Hillsborough County. And other than that, I had no idea what engineers did. So I, you know, that, that kind of started my career and I kind of went in the direction of roadway from that point on. And so uh, DOT, I was with them for 16 years, went back to private for a few years and then uh, saw that there was an opportunity here in Pasco, my county. I've been living here 35 years now. So, okay. yeah, very glad to be able to come on board. All right, cool. Uh, I graduated, I went to the University of Florida, go Gators. Um, Went to uh, private sector for a while and a couple of companies. Then I also went to the Florida Department of Transportation. Uh, that's where I first met Margaret. I was um, I ended up the district location surveyor down there. I was there for 25 years. Um, and then uh, I got in touch with Margaret, and um, I found out she was working here. And she said that uh, there may be an opportunity in the surveying division. They were called survey back then, not the big thing that I'm trying to rename it to now, which is surveying and mapping <laughs> slash geomatics. But um, so uh, I was scared to death, but um, I talked to Margaret several times and uh, the best move I ever made. I've been at Pasco County now for almost five years, four and a half years. Okay. So you got here a little before I did. Just just before you. Yeah. Yes. Cause it's been four years here. So, well, cool. Excellent. So, this is really a discussion about leadership and public service, but really we want to focus on leadership. So give me a little bit, give everybody kind of a little bit of an idea of what your leadership philosophy is and, and how you develop that. Well, uh, I'll start. Okay. Um, my philosophy, uh, I tell you what, I kind of just slipped into leadership. You know, you, I guess I always thought you worked really hard, then you would move up slow, and that's how my life went. You really try to do the best you can where you are, and then you kind of just move up to that next uh, position, then the next position. And it was pretty smooth for me because doing it that way, I had worked with the people that I was now leading. And so I slowly, uh, slowly moved up the ranks that way at the Florida Department of Transportation. Uh, and I think uh, being a mom made a big difference in my philosophy. I, I, a lot of times I look at the people I work with kind of in that, you know, protective, got to take care of these guys, got to grow these guys and, and that type of thing. So, you know, having moved up in, in rank to work with friends that are now, now I'm their boss, 
that kind of, I never, I was never that kind of really tough, tough boss. Uh, you know, I, we always, I always had high expectations because I always feel like wherever you work, you're going to be proud of it. You need to be proud of your work. And the only way you can be proud of what you do is by having high expectations and being expected to meet those expectations. So uh, I've never been a tough, really tough person, I don't think. But I think just having high expectations and working with people and training them and more of a, uh, I hate to use that word because everybody uses it as a servant leadership. Um, But I fully believe um, in leading from the heart. Mm -hmm. Mark Crowley's uh, book. uh, I I think I agree with those rather than having learned after all these years in the business. I think I more or less agree with that philosophy rather than having learned that philosophy. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, I sort of, uh, the, the surveying and mapping profession is unique. It's, um, it's half art and half science and math. I come from a science and math background. I was studying a theoretical physics undergraduate, and then I ended up with a surveying degree. Don't ask me how, I don't know how that transition went, but so when, uh, I believe it was 1999 when our profession went over to the requirement of a four-year degree to, to, uh, sit for licensure. So when I came out, as you can imagine, you know, a lot of the, uh, the old guys that have been there forever with the history, it's a very, very, um, long history. And, you know, it's, it's very, um, you know, like three out of the four guys on Mount Rushmore were surveyors. So it's got a very, very, you know, star studded past. So I was college boy going to the Florida DOT, but, um, I moved up pretty quick through supervision and then, uh, they have a leadership path there. Uh, they have the supervisors academy. They have what they call academies, management, and then they have a leadership academy. And we went through all those. And I know Margaret did as well. And they start to teach you the philosophy of leadership. I'm a very technical math and science guy, like I said. So it's difficult to let go of the day-to-day reins and have people that you trust that can do the work that you know once you set up standards so you can just trust them to do it and not and kind of let go of the day to day and that was difficult for me but uh, it took a while but then you started to understand the philosophy of leadership basically we you know you like margaret said you build a team of people that you love and respect and you know what the the work is going to be and you basically get out of their way and you remove obstacles for them and you let these people um blossom. You let them grow and give them the space to be creative and come up with new, you know, innovative ideas of how to do stuff. I've never seen that, you know, show it to me, you know, and I mean, the young guys in the profession, young guys and girls today come up with amazing ideas. I just try to get out of the way and remove all the obstacles. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, you described a lot of things that parents actually do, right? You kind of control the environment, but let the kids grow up and blossom as you referenced being a mom and in some of those skills that you brought into the leadership philosophy, it all really ties well together. It does. Yeah. I always say there's two things you, you think about when you leadership, it's love and food. <laughs> Alex, Alex is very good at that. He, I mean, lo- you can t- see, he just loves his guys. He, right. he loves his team and, and, uh, a good leader loves her people and, and that you, you, um, you know, you wish the best for others as others, not as your little mechanical robots and stuff, but as other. And, um, 
And then this guy, their team eats all the time. <laughs> but breaking <laughs> yes, of the bread, do. how far right. back does that go? Forever yes, and right, ever. Right, right, and, right. and I'm telling you, when you sit down and you eat with people, it makes a difference. It, it brings people together. Right. So. Yeah. And your reference to Mount Rushmore and reminded me, you know, Lewis and Clark were both surveyors. Right? Exactly. Thomas Jefferson was a surveyor. You know, a lot of people back in that time understood, you know, what they did as surveyors. So it's a there's a lot of history there. Absolutely. Uh, has, and having this guy's a super proud before. surveyor. Yeah. Alex yeah. is uh, high, just high standards, uh, high expectations from his staff. And, and he lets them know about their history and about this isn't just you guys going out and working in the field. Mm-hmm. And, and they've heard the stories about the history and that type of thing. Right, so right. So, it's very cool. Well, I call it the second oldest profession. You know, yeah. So the, I mean, the surveyors, you know, they laid out the pyramids. You right. know, in Egypt, they were called the rope stretchers. Right. You know, so. Right. right. But yeah. So it's yeah, very behind old. the first oldest profession. That's uh-huh. right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So so, as you are in your career, as you start in your career, and um, yeah, I think you both mentioned you spent time in the private sector and time at the state, and then now now at the county. Um, when did you really realize you wanted to lead others and be a leader? You know, truthfully, I don't know if I ever said to myself, I want to be a leader. I, I don't think I ever said, I want to be a leader. I, I knew I wanted to be um, very proud of the work I did. To me, that's always very important. And to do a, a very good job and to be one of the best of whatever it was I was doing. But uh, And leadership just follows that. I don't think I ever said, like when I got out of college or anywhere along the way, I want to be a leader. I don't remember saying that. I just remember... It was a, the next step up. I, th- I think it was Martin Luther King who said something like, "If even if you're a street sweeper, do it as if your angels are going to be walking on that sidewalk. So um, it, that's how I've always felt. It was very important just to whatever job you have, do that job really well. And, and things happen. Right, right. Well, for me, um, being a, a college graduate early on in this profession, um, I noticed that it moved very quickly into high technology and uh, surveying and mapping geomatics today is probably one of the highest tech um, professions that I've seen that I've worked in, in our industry, certainly. So um, I wanted to kick, uh, not kick, I wanted to pull the profession of surveying and mapping, kicking and screaming if I had to, into all this high tech stuff. It's wonderful. It's more efficient. It's faster. It's safer. So, you know, a lot of the, um, the stuff that I did was trying to be innovative. And so trying to create a new, you know, feel for the profession, um, the science and math, part, the, the science and math portion, the, the art and the history is already there. And it's, it's, but, um, so I knew that I had to, I knew I had to have a voice and try to be, you know, have a direction and try to pull the direction departments that I worked for into the technology arena. So I did also notice that I was, um, I was a pretty good mentor for a lot of the young um, surveyors coming out, the guys with college degrees and the guys that are trying to make it through the apprenticeship program on the, the technician level. I, I still go up to the University of Florida uh, once a year and talk to the guys, the, the students, the guys and girls, and try to Talk to them about public service, um, thinking about a career in public service and private sector and so on and so forth. And reach them at the right before they graduate. And I think it's it's a, it's especially poignant right now because uh, our our profession right now is 
I don't want to say it's under attack, but it's going through a, uh, a very, very strange political process right now where there is legislation that's going to attempt to um, take away the four-year degree requirement to sit for licensure. Now, that's a discussion for another venue and another topic, but that brings to the forefront even more so leadership by the old guys like me and, and getting the young college students and the young kids and even in high school. And I still used to go to the the uh, the day of caring and go talk to fifth graders and sixth graders and kindergartners. You know, their their imagination is wonderful. But um, there's a reach out to to kids program in our profession because really nobody knows what surveyors do. You know, aren't you the guys with the clipboards in the mall and you take surveys? No, no, that's not us. So it's it's educating. Right. So I I'm sorry. To, anyways, to answer your question, no, that's fine. I knew back then I I needed to kind of be a spearhead. Right. So okay. So as you kind of look back over your career, um, and even before them, in terms of leadership, who's been some of the biggest influences in your life, and how have they impacted the way you lead people? I've had just so much uh, good, good, I guess, influences, uh, good leadership. Um, I'll start with my mom and dad, incredible people. I have nine brothers and sisters, and um, my dad was working all the time, so my mom was the manager. <laughs> she was that, you know, 10 kids shopping. I mean, all, all the logistics that go into that, you don't even think about it when you're a kid. It just flows smoothly. So I look at, I look at the amazing things my mom did. I look back at that because to me it was all like normal back then. Um, but uh, really good uh, bosses, really, you know. I, 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 I'm going to go Christian real fast because I'm, I'm, uh, my parents gave me that too. And Jesus Christ, I mean, right. if you've read a few of his bios, you know what a leader that guy was, right? right? Heck of a leader. And that's where the servant leadership starts right there. I mean, mm -hmm. that guy. So, uh, so starting there. But, I mean, my bosses uh, – the guys that were interning that I was interning with when I was in in, in uh, Hillsborough County, great guys. Uh, I don't think I would have gone into transportation if it wasn't such a good group of guys. And and I got the like the worst jobs you could probably get because you know the boring stuff, the preliminary three times. I don't know if you ever did that when you were that. No, I don't think so. It's like back in the day of the abacus. It's yeah, no, preliminary. No, no, I skipped that. Yeah, yeah it was that. pretty tedious work. So that's what the yep. interns got to do. That's how you did all your, uh, you know, your fill and cut and all that. Mm. The volume measurements is you didn't have CAD. So you did, you did that. So uh, those guys were great. I've had some really fantastic bosses, both on the private side and uh, and on the uh, government side, I really never thought I would work for a government because I, um, when you get out of school and you go work for private consulting, you know, in a way, government work is looked down upon. And I kind of picked up on that myself when, when I was in private consulting. And then I, I, I was working with... Um, Atkins now, the firm's called Atkins, uh, used to be Post Buckley. And they had this monstrous contract with DOT. And uh, I went in there as a, like a temporary project manager to help them out with project management, uh, a design project management. And I thought, okay, that's, you know, I get to meet these guys and know, know them better because my work in transportation always worked around DOT. Um, and oh my gosh, I was so impressed at the level of the high expectations, the, the high level of performance that they expected out of their employees and what they expected in those plans that came in. 
I, I mean, I was so impressed that I actually, when a position opened, I left Adkins and I went to DOT. And I went to DOT for 16 years. So um, to me, some of the some of the uh, leaders at that time in the DOT were, I just was so impressed with DOT for so many years. Um, and then I, you know, then I come here. And one thing I realized here is, is how... Um, well-trained the military, uh, the military leaders are, you and Eric and Mike. You know, uh, I'm not kidding. I wouldn't just say that if I was kidding. But if you look at the leadership, the way they train you guys, it's definitely, you can see it. I can see it in Karbala. I can see it in Eric. And I can see it in you. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just really blessed to have Mike as, as um our Aka now, he was, he was great. I love working with Don. Don was very supportive. Uh, Mike is equally supportive and more knowledgeable about my area of expertise. So, um, I mean, I can just, as I go through my career, I had very few bosses, one or two, but very few bosses that I would just say not, not good bosses. But so, so many more great bosses. So lots of, lots of good, um, good experiences and, and, and good training and good what to do and what not to do kind of stuff going on. And I'm not saying I'm by far a perfect boss. I'm sure my staff has plenty of uh, what not to do is when sometimes <laughs> when working with me. So, but I, right. I have been blessed to have many great bosses. Good, good, good. Um. Kind of like Margaret, um, my leadership philosophy was uh, came about through the leaders at, at, at Department of Transportation where I worked. And like I said, we had the academies. And that gets you thinking in a whole different mindset from the day to day. Like I said, I, I'm math and science all day long. So you have to think with a whole nother mindset to actually lead people. So um, that was a change for me. And uh, there's one of the old guard. I can remember when I first got there um, and he said, he said something to me that stuck. He said, you know, you just have to let go of the day to day and let your people do their thing. That's really all he said. It was very simple. So um, I tried to embrace that philosophy when I, when I lead and uh, I do it here. I, I, I tell you, I, I'm so fortunate to have the team I do in surveying and mapping and geomatics. I got a shout out to my team. Love you guys. So and, you know, working with HR, Barbara has just allowed me to build this amazing team. And uh, so I found that you just have to um, literally just take your hands off the reins and let these guys create. You know, these guys and girls, they're just, they're wonderful. So you have to allow them to fail and you have to say, okay, so this is what happened when we failed on this one. And it's okay to fail. You know, sometimes um, in certain high pressure situations, you know, failing is not good, especially if money's on the line or budget, and, you know, and, but, um, we have to have the ability to try things new and innovate and then fail and go, ah, now we could pull it apart and see what happened. So, um, that was part of my leadership philosophy. And honestly, um, I learned quite a bit when I first got here. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in the first round of, um, a CPM that came mm, here. Okay. And uh, there was a lot of fantastic leadership. Um, Paula was instrumental in getting CPM here, and thank, it was fantastic. And Margaret and I were in there together. Um, interestingly enough, there was something that really stuck with me, and I, I think his name is Herb Kelleher. He was the CEO of, uh, of Southwest Airlines. 
and there was a there was a portion on him and um this one struck me you have to hire for fit and you can train all the technical skills and the knowledge you need to train you have to hire for fit of the team and i was thinking at first i'm like man you know how could he do that there's so many faa regulations and so many um, government regulations how could he just do that but he did it and he's got a model that works so i've kind of adopted that so and it, it, it really does it works fantastic so herb kelleher i guess is actually a, an influence on my leadership model. okay yeah southwest airlines is a, there's a lot of good models there with southwest you know amazing you know it's the one airline 50 years operated in the black every year mm. until the pandemic yeah like like right. a lot of people like right everybody. you know then they struggled but they're coming back pretty strong so uh no a great great discussion I, I really like that and appreciate that and you're right margaret uh you know the greatest among you shall be you know the servant right right, you know, right. so um a lot of good leaderships uh there um, so is as you kind of look back are there some lessons about leadership you, you'd like to share successes challenges things you've run into uh that you know you'd kind of like to share uh, well, I'll tell you, I think one of the hardest things in leadership is is the discipline portion. Uh, it's so easy to be easy on people and and not follow through. And it, if anything can really demoralize a team, really take a team down and reduce that that level of expertise and and quality that you want to get, it's it's by leaders allowing um some of these negative things to, to continue. Uh, so uh, sometimes for the best of the team, you have to work and you just have to document these people, document these activities, document this behavior. And I call them documenting them out the door because I've seen morale destroyed over a person, uh, just the way they are, maybe a bad fit for the team, maybe not not willing to be engaged as as much as the uh, the rest of the team is engaged, so um, yeah, that's probably the the thing I dislike most is is having to to uh, walk somebody out the door. Right. But it, it just it's just not it, for the good of the team. Most often, right. it's the good of the team. You have to do that. Right. Well, and it kind of goes back to you. You, you talked about parenting, right? You know, if you don't discipline a child, you're you're actually neglecting the right. child right right because then they you know you're actually showing you that you don't love them you've got to care get, for them you have to you have, have those to, guidelines you have to do that yeah. so and, yeah. and sometimes we even have to do that with our high performers right you know every once in a while even they step out of line you know right. so yeah no right. yeah that that is a tough element because you know what you're willing to accept will drive the level of the performance of the it team does indeed. So. yeah but then it's also a great thing working with um really great team members and um, just, you know, like Alex said, just watching them grow, just watching them just succeed and, and move forward. And boy, we have such a, you know, such great people here in Pasco and and in, in my group. I'll do a shout out to my whole group since Alex did one to survey. <laughs> but we, really, I mean, I look at I look at these, um, the, the team that we have put together in engineering services and, you know, and, and what Venkat's done and, and traffic and what Chris has done and what Alex has done with his team and amazing, uh, amazing growth, I think, over the, over the, since these guys have been in place. Um, and, and, and it's, 
the excitement that people have in finishing a project or or what Sam's going through with Ridge Road. I mean, to take that from to take that from a project that's that really you know trudged along for twenty years and 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 he's got it really you know you guys as a team did a lot to get that thing really booming along. But I mean, that's a big project. But I mean, there's so many other projects, so many multi-use trails and. Every one of those things, you know, Trails, an intersection signals, improve, lighting, all, yeah, of that, all of that, the guys mm-hmm. out in the field that are up there, you know, at all hours, changing out the lights or, you know, fixing, fixing the timing and that type of thing. So, um, you know, we do that employee engagement. Uh, and to me, to, to, to expect our employees to be engaged means we have to be engaged too. And so, you know, we have to be there with them as they're growing and as they're learning and celebrate those wins and, you know, deal with some of those other issues that come up sometimes. Uh, so the Pasco County leadership philosophy and our, with an eye towards uh, Sterling and being a premier county and everything, um, that actually is parallel what's happening in my profession right now. And it's, it's about succession planning. It's about growing young professionals. And so I, one of the things I struggle with, and it's certainly um, prevalent in the private sector, is the competition and conflict model. And it, yeah, I have to get out of that mindset, and I try to mentor the young professionals to get out of that mindset. If somebody is not performing or doing what we need to do, it's the, the onus is on us. We need to teach them and bring them up. So we have to teach them what we want to do. We have to mentor, mentor young professionals and bring them to where we need to be. So the onus is on us as leaders. So I, I, I think getting out of that conflict and competition and getting into more of the, the servant leadership and, and, and teaching and mentoring and, you know, growing them. That's essentially what. And feeding them. And feeding them. Well, oh, yeah. with surveying and mapping, it's always feeding. So. <laughs> it's always feeding time. <laughs> yes, it is. So you've talked a lot about mentoring and growing young leaders. So um, you know, what are some specific ways you do that? And then what are some specific ways you continue to work on your leadership skills and developing them over time? Uh, well, um, what I mentioned you know, before is um, – the important thing is to make sure that we have standards for the work we do. Um, we are a government entity. So in my opinion, we're probably uh, one step above on scrutiny on doing our, our level of service and our work. Once those standards are in place, we teach these young professionals, this is how we do it. And then really you stand back and let them have the space to create because these guys are a lot younger than I am. They went to college way after I did, you know, so the technology that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis that we're bringing to Pasco County actually is, um, is, is brand new. So I haven't studied it in academia. They have. So I get out of their way. They show me that I learn stuff from these young guys every day. So then my we kind of focus that towards production. So yeah, this is a fantastic tool. It does all this stuff. Now, if we throw it in a design project, this is how we can funnel that create, I mean, that, uh, that efficiency and the safety and all this stuff with the new technology towards more production. So I let them create, I give them the space to create, I give them responsibility and accountability, you know, so my, my supervisors, you know, I, it's like, 
I, I do my best not to micromanage and kind of poke my nose in where I, I shouldn't be. I listen, but um, ultimately these guys are making the decisions and they're accountable for them and they may fail. Generally they don't, they're really good, but uh, I get out of their way to be honest with you. And I remove any obstacles I can. Right. He walks with them all the time too. You do a lot of walking. <laughs> yes, we do. We walk. <laughs> so uh, I, I would say I don't get out of their way. I, I like going in and sitting in their offices. So I'm not really getting in the way of their, uh, you know, their technical skills and what they're doing. But I, when I'm over at the Newport Ritchie office, the Sunset office, I'm I'll go in and, and ride into their offices and sit down and talk to them and, um, you know, just again to just to be engaged and and to see what they're doing and because I can walk into well I can't go into traffic ops unless I'm over here but I can walk into his team's offices anytime. Um, I can, you know, go over and visit Chris's team anytime. So uh, quite often I just go in and sit down with them and, and chat with them and talk to them, work through projects, work through issues. Uh, depends on what the hot issues are of the day and, and who needs the, who's, who's I guess, needs the most help. Sometimes it is, it becomes like a professional thing where we're working together to get something done. But a lot of times I just like to go in and see you know, how the family's doing, how, how this is going, how's it going here? And, you know, what's going on over here? What, what, what do you, what is your, is your career going the way you want? You, when you're coming to work every day, are you getting where you need to get to and, and do what you need to do, uh, both professionally and, and personally? So I, I do a lot of that type of thing with, with the teams. Okay. So. Yeah. So kind of getting to know the team, the whole person, if you will, not the 40 hour a week person you oh, see, yeah, but the whole person. Honest, yeah, absolutely. Right. The management yeah. by walking around is great. And talk about your weekend, talk about your kids, hey, you know, how the softball game go, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Big on that. The, the goods and the bads again. You yeah, know? Absolutely. So. Right. Well, and, and you've both talked a lot about trust and, you know, part of trust is being vulnerable because ultimately we still are responsible for the work that happens, That's right? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. But you're actually giving them the authority to make it happen. Yes. So you know, trust and vulnerability yeah. is part of that. And that's so. not to mean you're not going to make a mistake. I, I always say the one that the person that doesn't make mistakes is the one that sits on their hands afraid to do anything. Right. So get up and do stuff. Get up and, and, and move forward and get your jobs done and, and, and your projects done. And we'll deal with the mistakes. We'll right. get through those. And you'll learn from those. Yeah, it goes back to the the – Teddy Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena, right? You know, the the credit goes to the man in the arena whose blood, sweat, and tears is the one really doing the work, not to the spectator sitting right. in the stands. And yeah. I didn't quote that exactly, so don't hold that against me. Gotcha, but, <laughs> gotcha. But effectively, the one doing the work in the in the and and you want to give them that support to know they can go out and just do what they think they need to do. It, right. You know, it may not be exactly what I think they need to do, but. Go, you know, go forth and, and do things. And 99.9% and, and of the time, you're going to get exactly what you need to do to get a job done or to, you know, right. be successful. So when they learn, they discover new things. I think like you're seeing in the technology realm, you know, kind of take the hands off and man, they come up with some great ideas and right. yeah. some things to really be more efficient and get some better answers. Well, the biggest thing is the communication. Uh, it may sound cliche, but you really do have to communicate. And so they make decisions but they, you know, no one shoots anything out the door before we all make sure we take a look at it. And they say, hey, what do you think about this? You think it's feasible? You know, my answer usually is, I don't know. Show me the data. Let's take a look. Try it. You yeah. know? Yeah. And um, so, but yeah, ultimately we're responsible for what goes out the door. So, but they feel free to, the, to be creative. 
and innovative. So, you know, that's what the, the environment that I try to create there with these guys. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's all. That's great. So kind of before, as we wrap up, any tools or wisdom you want to share with the people who are listening or watching today? Any last words of advice? Uh, Love and food. Love and food? Love your people. <laughs> love your people. If you don't love what you do, don't, you know, maybe consider something else. But love your people, too. Just absolutely uh, the people you're working with, not not just the people you're leading, but, you know, kindness and all that. That's all good stuff. And I think it makes a big difference in the workplace. I think it makes it a better place to work when when you all get along and love each other. And then that doesn't work unless you're eating, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh this may also sound cliche, and I've heard a lot of people say it. I've heard you say it. You know, our our biggest, our best resources are our people. You know, it, it, we're all human, so the human connection is an important thing. So the day to day, the technology, the math, the science, the projects, that's all while we're here. But you know, you can never neglect the human. The human is still attached to everything. So it's the man by walking around asking about the children. That's my only thing: is never neglect the humanity. You know, we're all people. We're all friends. We're all friends outside of the office. You know, we play golf. You know, we do all kinds of fun stuff. Together. I've seen the films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so we lead, we lead humans, right? You know, and people doing work, have emotions, have lives, have things going on, good and bad, right? And, right. and part of that is working through those things to continue to develop and, and move forward. So, yeah, no, great, really, really great stuff. It goes right back to the people. You know, take it care is, of the people and, and they take care of you. Right? Yes, so it is. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate y'all being here today. Now we got one final round that Alex was looking forward to the, the, the speed I'm round. Let right. Answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll do some random questions, but I, I got to start with the office of Parks and Rec. And now Margaret's already let us know earlier that, you know, she's not seen them, but I, I like the honest. parks. I've, I've never seen Parks and Rec, and I, I, I wanted to, and everyone's telling me to see it, but I've only seen The Office, and I, I think The Office is hilarious. Right. So I have to go with The Office. <laughs> and she likes Pasco Parks and Rec. I like Pasco Parks and Rec. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm sure Keith appreciates that. Hey, Keith. Yeah, great job. Too, so I so. love about Pasco County. I love the parks. Yeah, well, 35 years here, you've probably seen Heck a whole yeah. lot of changes. Oh, new libraries, 30... new parks, you name it, everything. Amazing. Yeah. I love, pa I love Trails. Pasco. Trails. Yeah. So amazing. So, uh, dawn or dusk? Um, dawn for well, both. I like both. I love sunsets. I love to be wake up early. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love sunsets. I, I like collect them in my brain. I just love seeing sunsets. But I also like really, really early too. So right. I'm a dawn guy. I always get up before the the sun, and that's my time of contemplation. I love it. Um, I have my coffee usually before the sun comes up and, you know, everything's quiet. Although being a musician, you know, it's difficult because, you know, we play at night. So waking up before dawn, you know, for over 30 years, your body gets adjusted. So if I go to bed at three o'clock in the morning, I'm still waking up at six. Ooh. So, um, but I'm, I'm definitely a dawn guy. Yeah. 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 Up well, early. I'm a morning person too. So, uh, so what place you... Now that we're out of COVID, you know, travel's kind of opening back up. What place you really want to travel next to? I, I was thinking out west. Okay. Uh, probably in a year or so, we'll we'll get up and start maybe heading out uh, out west a bit. Okay. Out west as in the west coast? No, well, not really. Uh, 
probably the Badlands uh, okay. out in that area. Okay. Yeah, the, the northern tier. Yeah. Area. Yeah. Well, it just kind of like a couple weeks just traveling around up there. Right. Yeah, some gorgeous areas. Yeah. Lived on the foothills of them. The Rockies in Montana for a couple oh, of years. Yeah. So beautiful. You, you live there or Nate? Great Falls. Oh, yeah. We, oh yeah. yeah. We were in Great Falls nice. for a couple of years. So nice. Yeah. Um, well, we had a, a trip planned in 2020 to Greek and the Greek Isles. And so, of course, COVID shut that down. So we're going to do that again this year. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to try it again. Um, so that's kind of a bucket list thing for me. Um, I wanted to go to Greece and see the Greek Isles for a while. So we're going to do that. And then I think we're going to England. I'm a soccer fan, so I, I want to see some English soccer matches, some Premier League soccer matches. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear there's a there's a European Cup this weekend. Yes, the, the, the big, the yeah, big the one. UEFA. Yes, UEFA. So, so what's your favorite season? Ooh, I like fall and spring. Fall and spring. The non-hot ones. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like a, to camp. I really right. we like to camp, and okay. and and I don't. Okay. You know, you got to pick those those right. times of the year where it just not just uh oven like outside okay yeah oh, that's a tough one for me i grew up in miami and uh being a beach kid you know but then again i love the fall i love you know thanksgiving that's you know i i'm big in the fall so and it's starting to cool off a little bit and then of course you know the holidays yeah i guess the holidays right okay so I think I know this answer for you, Margaret. Um, texting or talking? Really? Yeah. Texting. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I had no <laughs> idea about texting. And then well, I, I, my son, I have a son. Right. Uh, and so to, to, he's, you know, millennial guy. So what's the best way to get through him, to him? Right. To talk, really fast him, answers yeah. back and forth. Texting. So I, once I got what it was all about, right. I had to switch to texting. I, yeah. It's okay. just faster and more efficient. Right. Okay. And then and then I have one brother. He knows if I text him and uh, he's available to talk, he'll call me. Okay. You know, got a lot of brothers and sisters, so yeah, texting yeah, works. Do. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm definitely a texter. I mean, I, I do like talking and I do like face-to-face, -face, but um, I'm a texter from way back. I'm a techie guy, so my son will be in his room and I'll text him from the living room. Hey, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on out. Let's play some game. You know, but, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm a texter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think those of us with kids that are at that age, you just you, learn to you, do it. You yeah. evolve over to being a texter because that's the best way to contact them, right? And, yeah. Or you follow them on the apps, right? It, you know. Exactly. No, but I text. That's all I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't have all those apps down pat yet, but uh, well, that Snapchat was one that for a while that was the way you had to text them. Oh yeah, I, my, I had a niece that was a Snapchatter. Get, get, yeah. You know, so, but yeah. So, so you mentioned holidays. So, what's your favorite holiday? For me, it's Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. Well, food, 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 food and family mostly. Right. Okay. You know, so and that's usually the big get together mm -hmm. and where everyone you know gets together. And then I love you know I love Thanksgiving food, <laughs> <laughs> turkey and all the dressing, well, and don't all the you ham like and all. Come on, what oh, kind of food don't you like? <laughs> that's true. Uh, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, Easter. Okay. Uh, it's just a special holiday for my faith, basically. Right. But this Easter was super cool. My brother was over here um, going through bone marrow transplant. Okay. And uh, 
his wife, uh, had, it was going to be several more weeks of going through this this process to be engrafted and all that. And so I had taken over for her. Someone has to be with him every every day. So seven o'clock in the morning, you're at Moffitt sitting, sitting in there uh, going through all this stuff for a few hours. And so Easter Sunday, um, we're sitting there and they have, they had taken his blood work. They came back in and said something that didn't really mean much to me. I don't know what it meant to him. She said something about your urine grafting. And and then so she still goes and puts on these uh, different uh, things he has to, uh, different med- meds he has to have. And then she says just offhandedly, and don't forget to ring the bell when you leave. And we're like, ring the bell? What are we ringing the, what's he ringing the bell for? She goes, he's done. It was successful. He, he had another few weeks, but right. Easter Sunday, oh, cool. they were able to look at his blood counts and say, you're you're good. Your your uh, bone marrow transplant worked, and so that day, Easter Sunday, early in the morning, we're out there. You know, probably around ten o'clock, and he's out there ringing the bell. What a special day on yeah. Easter Sunday! Wow. So it was cool. Yeah, that that would have been cool. So, all right. So you said you grew up in Miami. So I'll I'll, I'll ask the question. What's your favorite city? My favorite city in the in U.S. United, in the yeah. U.S. Ooh, boy, that's tough too. Ooh. Um. See, it wasn't so easy. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You know, there's so many. I mean, I love the West Coast, but I have to say probably if it's not Florida, you know, probably Austin, Texas. I have friends that live there and um, we go there from time to time. It's just, you know, I mean, I'm a Florida Gator. That's the University of Texas. But at the same time, it's just a fantastic city. It's a college town. Great music scene. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the college at Sarah because I went to A and M. Well, my friend that lives there, his daughter's going to A and M. Okay, there you so. go. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> see the yeah. light. It's funny so. about Florida. Everybody's got kids going to all the different Florida schools, so no right. matter where you went, you're, yes, you're, right. one of your kids is going to go somewhere else. Um, I'm going to say I'm a Tampa Bay person all all the way. Okay. I mean, I, I grew up in Vero Beach. I was on the East Coast girl as well, but. Um, and it was a little hard coming over here when I came over to go to USF, but man, I've been here for quite a few years now. Right. And I can't. Yeah, I was thinking I was with my son the other yesterday, and we were down downtown doing the River Walk. And I'm like, how how wonderful it is to live right here in Pasco County, and and then you know right down the road there is mm-hmm. is Tampa and the River Walk, and you go over to St. Pete, and you have all that. So. I, I would not want to live anywhere else but here. But I mean, I like other big cities. I'm a. I like. I like New York. I like going when there's no COVID. I like going up for, for Broadway and that type of thing. Okay. But uh, as far as living, it would be here. Okay. All right. Well, hey, thanks both of you for being here today, Margaret and Alex. Um, really appreciate it. It's been great conversation discussion. It's been great to have you both. And special thanks to our media relations team who made this all possible. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Pod- Pasco Podcast. I'm Dan Biles, and until the next one. For more information on Pasco County government, please visit mypasco.net and check us out on Facebook and Twitter.